everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt a great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a job for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Uh, you better believe we're here. We're continuing with an interesting, thrilling, and fun discussion of cover songs with our own Sultan of Song himself, David Cohen. How are you? Yes. Hello, Doug. Show number three about this, too. We're really dominating the... Three of 75, I think, is our uh, projection at this we're, point. Yes, and we're topping the charts with this third version of the cover songs. Now, David Cohen, cover songs are songs performed by an artist of a song that already exists. We know that. Question is, what makes a good one? And for this show, what makes a bad or interesting one? So, according, as I've discussed in prior shows on this topic, there is the now infamous not infamous, that's the wrong word, uh, internationally recognized uh, David Cohen rules of cover songs. So uh, just to summarize for people who haven't tuned in before, but uh, let's talk about what would make a bad cover song, because that's what today's show is going to be about. Mostly, it's about just being lazy and taking the original song and duplicating it. Right. Just playing it the same way. Same instrumentation, same vocals. Ninety nine times out of 100, it's an instant, instant fail. Um, what what would distinguish an original, at least for me, is that the artist who's who's doing the cover song does it in the style that they're already known for. They they, they play it in, in the the style that that you like you listen to the Rolling Stones you know how they sound or you you listen to any contemporary artist right now so you've got to do it in that in your style don't try to copy the original and also change it up change the instrumentation change the beat change the 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 phrasing of the words you have to make it something that really can be considered almost like an original song exactly so and here's one that you think is really bad or a bad idea? Come on, feel the noise, Slade first, and then Quiet Riot. tell there was even a different uh, a different version of this just a continuation right doug i mean i was going to ask you that question it, 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 if if i told you that was the same band doing this song maybe 10 years apart would you have believed it yeah or one live or something like that you know yeah exactly. definitely the same same take on it the same routine the same intonation so what are we doing why bother doing it now, now the, you know the why bother i don't want to be a cynic here but when quiet riot came out with that cover song with duplication you know they have they have their own fan base and they have a lot of really really loyal quiet riot fans a lot of whom i'm sure had never heard that song before and immediately thought it theirs. Yeah. that it's theirs right so you know if you're smart like i'm sure you know a lot of artists are you might want to take advantage of that and since the original version 
which was I believe it was you know it was one of those glam rock songs mm-hmm. that came out. It was probably like 1971 or 72, something like that. If you listen, it's a catchy tune, right? It's kind of it, it's rock and roll. It's energized, and why not cover it? Because a lot of our fans might not even know it existed. So, you know, to me, I'm, I'm sure it was a successful venture for Quiet Riot, but in terms of a, of a cover song, it. Why do it? And uh, to finish the topic, before we get to interesting interpretations of original songs, I want to get to and talk and finish the bad cover songs by what you started talking about is like the creme de la creme. Let's just say a perfect song, if you will, imagined by John Lennon and then interpreted later on by others. And why would they do that? Let's listen to this. Tell me if you could tell me who the, the artists are besides John Lennon in this. There's three other artists. Let me hear what you think. Imagine there's no heaven There you go. There's the uh, book ended uh, John Lennon there to give you a sample of, of course, the original. And then we heard from who? The middle one might have been hard, but let's, let's hear if you got any of them, David. Uh, was the first the first cover Elton John? Yes. Okay. Second uh, one was sec- a band we had ta- we have discussed in the past. Give you a hint. Second. Uh, uh, hard, really hard. Was, yeah, the, the sound quality wasn't great. I couldn't tell. That was Queen, 1980. That was Queen. Okay. okay. And then after that, a third tribute. one. Stevie couldn't, Wonder couldn't tribute uh, to John Lennon. Yes. I was going to say Stevie Wonder. I was going to say Stevie Wonder because it sounded like his voice, but the instrumentation didn't sound like him. That's why I thought, well, maybe that's not Stevie Wonder. But look, I can show you. I started writing St- ST. I do see it. I do see it. All right. Um, so I should have gone with my instinct. But anyway, but so sorry. Back to your point. So the idea is, you know, even these, and we've talked about this with Lennon and McCartney talking about, you know, them doing covers as well. There's Elton John, Queen, Stevie Wonder with reverence and with, uh, especially Stevie Wonder and Elton John, both uh, with reverence and respect to John Lennon after he passed and so forth. They want to maybe play this song on some level to associate themselves with him or whatever reason it is. Uh, the question is, do you try to repaint you know, the, the 16th Chapel. You know, do you try to do this masterpiece over again? And if so, why? And even a master artist, let's say, you know, Donatello, whoever, somebody else came along, Raphael came along and tried to repaint something from Michelangelo. It's, why would you do it? Yeah, you're, you're forcing yourself into another box, right? You're, you're trying to figure out what did Michelangelo do? do how did he do it? Uh, you know, picture it like a paint by numbers thing, 
right? So you're going to color in the orange when you see number seven and so on and so forth. And yeah, is it going to be a reproduction? Yes. Is it going to be any good? No, it's, it's terrible. And I think that's what these artists, no matter how good you are, even Elton John, I knew it was Elton John because I could tell by the way he played the piano. Right. So he, he is putting his own spin on it. But with, it, with an iconic song like that, you almost have to, let's put it this way. I'd be more impressed if some speed metal band did a version of Imagine that would impress me more than what I just heard right then. Because right. at least I know there was some creativity, there was some thinking that went into to, to, to almost recreating it in a completely different way. Exactly. Here's a song, I agree with you 100%, I can't improve upon that. Uh, the the Sultan of Song gets it right 100% of the time here, everything old is new Yet again. still, I, I, what I can't get over, Doug, is the, it, it's almost like a, I don't want to say virus, because I'm there, but <laughs> it's almost like this 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 thing where everyone feels they need to, to do imagine, like if there's some difficult times that the country's struggling with, or, or it's an ad for drug abuse, whatever, <laughs> Someone has got to do Imagine, and they do it the same way, and it's always awful. Yeah, and they're, awful. Well, they're doing it on The Voice, or they're doing it on, you know, all these singing shows and what have you, the the the, right. the person that's trying to become famous, you know. Anyway, here's here's what I would say to, the next, to segue to our next section is interesting interpretations of, of, of songs or other favorites. Here's our Star Trek reference for the day. I'll tell you why I'm playing this. And now... Do you remember this episode? Yeah, brother. Head now Not a bad voice. No. Charles Napier. No more trouble in my body or my mind. Gonna live like a king on whatever I find. The original Star Trek, this is on an episode. Eat all the fruit and throw away the rind. Yeah. <laughs> Real quickly, David Cohen, should that, should that song be covered? Should there someone Why come not? along and play that? <laughs> you can't make it any worse. <laughs> you go. Gonna crack my knuckles and jump for joy. I got a clean bill of health from Dr. McCoy. There we go. <laughs> we'll be back after this and everything all is new again. That's just a little Star Trek reference. We're going to talk about interesting songs when we come Eat back. Eat all the fruit and throw away the rind. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Uh, we're back and everything old is new again with David Cohen, Douglas Viviani Love talking it. about Love uh, the covers. To me, that Devo cover of the Stone Satisfaction is probably maybe not the most popular, maybe not the greatest, but the most original, I think, cover in my world of an original song. You tell me. 
And again, it hits all the major points on the David Cohen rule, David Cohen's rule of cover songs. It's like, Doug, they took the song, they threw it up in the air, right. and they just rearranged it on the ground and, and, and did it in the style to which they were known. You know, very electronic, very quirky, changed the tempo. It, it's an unforgettable version, whether you like it or not, right? Yes. I, I, I can't listen to it many times, but I do, no. respect, <laughs> I do respect how completely different and memorable, because that's from the 80s, and I still remember that to this day, yep. right? So there how memorable memorable that was. So uh, we're continuing our discussion here on interesting interpretations. How about a song called You Keep Me Hanging On? Couldn't get the whole chorus there. That's uh, a remake by uh, Vanilla Fudge. David, the the gist of it is that Vanilla Fudge. Who, who the heck is Vanilla Fudge? Right there, they were a, a rock group from the '60s and came out with some really good stuff. Not one of the super groups that everybody remembers, but but nonetheless made some nice contributions. And to me, you know, did some really really cool interpretations on the Supreme songs. And and the one that. Uh, where you keep me hanging on that you heard first the the vanilla fudge version of it is like kind of druggy acidy but so tuneful and very soulful and again another version a, another instance where you know they just didn't try to do the 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 you know paint by numbers just the straight copy of it they completely again threw the song up in the air and and let it land and sort of put it back together the way they they felt best fit their style and became to me almost a completely different song completely different and i think arguably just as good Vanilla Fudge, look for that. Uh, you keep me hanging on. You'll hear it uh, other places other than Everything Old is New again. We're protesting it, I guess. I don't know why I didn't have the right clip. I apologize. No, no, no but it's good because the, 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 the other song, the cover song that you play is also fantastic. All right, we'll continue and, uh, and talk to and, and about David Cohen's favorite of all time cover, I believe. Let's hear it. But I'm a creep. Creep. Radiohead. You're so freaking special. I wish I was special, but I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What the heck am I doing here? Should we be playing that song as that our, great? Our, our intro from now on? <laughs> I, I think we should. <laughs> all right, so the yeah, second I, was Richard Cheese. Okay. Go ahead, tell us what that's all I about. I stumbled on that because uh, Richard Cheese, because, you know, we have Siri and, and Apple HomePod and all that, and you ask to play a song and they start playing it. So we wanted to hear the, the theme song from the Jeffersons, right? We're just sitting around, goofing around, and we said, hey, Siri, play Play the Jefferson theme song, and this version, or a version by Richard Cheese, came on, 
and it was hilarious. And and I looked more into Richard Cheese, and he basically does these big band versions of songs that would never should never be done in a big band version set. <laughs> and and the the creep creep by sorry Radiohead is is like the furthest thing you'd ever think of of being put in this like Bill Murray lounge singery kind of style that that you just heard. And I thought it was really good i don't what did you think did you i it was very catchy or? it's catchy i would listen i like both of the, i like the original of course um but that was something that makes me i do want to hear more of it i want to hear the whole song <laughs> especially the lyrics i mean he really pronounces them you really understand what this what he's you know what the song is about the radio head version you don't always hear the lyrics too well you know uh it's so. true it's true <laughs> i'd let um, you get a kick out of it yeah, he's he's released a few albums, and uh, yeah, I started I started listening to some. You know, some of them are not that great, some of the covers, but a lot of them are really really good. The Jeffersons theme song too, he he does a good job with. What about a future guest on Everything Old Is New Again? Oh, that would be fantastic. Right, we, we could we could ask him just you know his his thoughts on cover songs. I'm sure he's. Uh, Obviously, giving this a lot of thought too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try that. Uh, okay, how about shake, rattle, and roll? I said shake, rattle, and roll. Well, you never do nothing to save your dog or soul. Plus, that's Bill when Haley. Those dresses, your head gone up so nice. Well, all I work is about my money goes. Big Joe Turner. I did shake, rattle, and roll. Dana Band from my past. And NLBQ. Let me just talk about NLBQ real quick. Do you remember? Yeah, that? no, that's a good that's a good one. All right, good. Because I, I love that band sometimes. Sometimes they don't, but sometimes the stuff they do is so great. Uh, anyway, so talk to us about the Shake Rattle and Roll, Bill Haley and Big Joe Turner. The the, um, the the reason it's one of my favorites is because I I love both versions of it. And and I get turned on to Big Joe Turner because of that cover song. You know, Bill Haley in the comments, one of the most underrated influences in rock and roll history. They, they, they were bigger in England, actually, than they ever were here in the States, believe it or not. Um, but, but their songs and just the feel, if you, if you go onto YouTube and you just you click on any Bill Haley show that they did or song that they did, just the joy behind their performance and the way they did it and how smooth and cool these songs sounded, it was just it was so much fun. So then I clicked on a video performance um, uh, of the other version that we heard, Big Joe Turner, who, who I had known, I had heard about, but didn't really know a lot about, but also knew he was very influential on a lot of rock and roll bands, including the Beatles. Um, and, and there's this performance on, on YouTube of Big Joe Turner doing Shake, Rattle, and Roll. And I'm telling you, it will just put a smile on your face. He was such a great entertainer. I don't know how to describe it, but he comes on the stage, he saunters onto the stage. He's got his band and he just starts singing so effortless and moving around. And it's just, I don't know, made me feel really good. And I, I, I saw it like three or four times in a row. That's how much I liked it. So I, I put it up there because it's, it's, um, it, it's an example Again, of of a really good, although little known, performance uh, being made as good, if not better, than than another artist. Sounds like he was like a Joe DiMaggio in center field, just making it uh, something difficult look so easy and so effortless, right? That's right. Uh, let's. That's how right. about this one? I want you back. First, we'll start off with Lake Street Dives, and then Jackson Five. 
Sorry, how could you not like the Jackson 5 better? But let's hear what David has to say. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, it, it, it's an iconic song. Normally, you would say, don't, don't ever, you, you just don't do it again, right? <laughs> um, but I, I just stumbled on this version. And you, I, I, the clip that you played was, I think, the studio version. But this, you know, this little quartet, I'm sure no one's heard of, called Lake Street Dives. I think they're from Chicago. Um, there's a video of them playing outside and on a stand-up stand bass and a singer and some backup vocals, and they do a very, even more stripped-down version of that song. And I don't know, just the combination of her voice and the style that they, that they recreated the song in, which is very different from the Jackson 5, I thought it was very creative. I think it, it hits all of the, the points on the David Cohen list of how to do a cover song. Um, you either like it or you don't like it, you know, but the fact is that it's different and it wasn't a spot on recreation. And it's one that I, I can see people preferring Jackson 5, but to me, it was almost like a new song again. But that is what we're looking for, something interesting and an interesting, different interpretation. So I will go there and, we'll, and I'll look for them. The Lake Street Dives. Uh, we're back. Uh, listen, uh, well, let's try one more just before we can go here. The original uh, Jeffersons and again, Richard... Jeez. Here we go. We'll have just a couple seconds after this, David, to make okay. something. Fish don't fry in the kitchen. Beans don't burn on that grill Took a whole lot of trying Just to get up that hill <laughs> David Cohen, what do you have to say? It's just funny. I don't know. I can't, you know, I can't, conjures images of of Bill Murray, you know, the lounge singer, Nick Springs, but, but also Frank Sinatra, the way he's, you know, sort of Speak, well, but he's got a good voice. Me. He's like his voice is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we got to get him, Rich and Cheese. If you're listening, come on. Everything old is new again. We'll reach out. We have one more section, two more sections. We're going to take a look at Elvis when we get back. He did a lot of covers. What's up with that? We'll Burn on that grill. Right Thank you, Richard. Took a whole lot of trying just to get up that hill. All right, so I think that's actually where we ended your list. If I'm right. Now, back to America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything old is new again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Well, my hands are shaky and my knees are weak. I can't seem to stand on my own two feet. Well, who do you think when you have such luck? I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Well, my hands are shaky and my knees are weak. I can't seem to stand on my own two feet. Who do you think of when you have such luck? I'm in love. I'm all shook up. <laughs> I'm all shook up because we're having the time of our lives here with the third show talking about cover songs with uh, David Cohen in Impress. Improvisario. Is that even a word that would work for Close you? enough. Uh, I'm going to sure. go for that. Uh, difficult to, <laughs> to mention. Listen, that was... I, 
Question to you listening. Did you know that Elvis was not the first one to do All Shook Up? David Hill was in 1957. He was the creator of that song. That's who you've heard first. And then Elvis did a take on it. So first of all, what do you think of that Elvis version versus the original? And and, uh, and then I'm going to take a look at Elvis doing this a lot. Yeah, he did do a lot. Uh, that particular version, um, I honestly hadn't heard the original before. So I think I still like Elvis's better, but I I was impressed with the first one for sure. Yeah. Um, just just to, and and just so listeners know, and they they probably know this already, but you know one of the appeal of the appeals of Elvis Presley back in the day was that he uh, sort of was the perfect combination. I think we spoke in an earlier show about how black artists back then their songs had been performed and popularized and distributed as interpreted by white artists and, you know, didn't share in, in the profits as much as they, they should have or given the recognition until much, much later in time. Elvis was unique because Elvis was a white singer who to many people sounded like a black singer. And I think that's why, um, you know, he did the covers he did of, of a lot of uh, blacks, black artist compositions uh, but but did them well because he, he he you know he had a good feel for it for his elvis of course but not only the voice but I, I think the management he was under at that time were actively trying to position him differently than just any other white singer that was around and we'll, we'll get more into that but just to, just as a way of background before we start listening to the covers Yes, and I want, I'm curious, we have to look this up in some way, how much influence Elvis had in the actual creation, orchestration of the song itself. I know he played a little guitar, not a ton. Uh, I wonder what he, you know, certainly the vocals were his interpretation, but let's, uh, let, let's look at another song with a couple of these, Blue Moon. And they whispered from on high, your love said goodbye. Bill Monroe. Blue Moon of Kentucky. It's and of course, playing trains and automobiles, we've got to throw that in there with Steve Martin doing his version. With John Candy. <laughs> Just to derail the show completely. But... <laughs> But you know, look at Elvis there. He he was. It's a nice song. Picks it out, and something happens with his orchestrations. He does. He makes it different. No, not only did he make it different, but it wasn't intended that way. He, if you listen to the original Sun recordings, um, he had slowed it down. It was much more straightforward kind of song, and and the I guess it was Tom Parker, somebody in the studio, suggested that they speed it up. And, and do it differently and put a different spin on it. So they did that take, the one we just heard. And I think, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm confusing it with another song, but at the very end of the song, you can hear someone coming from the control room and say, uh, oh, yeah, I like that. I think we got a hit there. Yes, exactly. So, that's great. <laughs> so, and, and that's, you know, again, that's Elvis taking uh, a, a song and, Again, just just reconstructing it and rebuilding it into something that I think was better than the original. I'm sure the original was very successful. Look, it's a traditional song. Right. Uh, everyone knows that song. Um, not so many people know Elvis's version, which I think is just is phenomenal. Well, how about uh, another song? Uh, Blue suede shoes. Carl Perkins wrote it. Got into a car crash, and Elvis performed it first live. I think it was on the Sullivan Show. I think, um, but I'm not. No, not Sullivan. It was another another 
show anyway that Carl Perkins was supposed to be on, and they called Elvis to do it instead. Uh, it's a million dollar quartet tells you that story, but here are both of them juxtaposed. Carl Perkins first. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, now go, cat, go, but don't do step on my blue Elvis just seems to have more energy than these other performers. Am I wrong? It's like more emphasis, more zoom or something. I don't know. Yeah, the, you know, the original performers, I mean, they, they had a style. It was the style of the time. It was rockabilly. It was, you know, sort of this migration in, into folk rock, into the beginnings of rock and roll. Um, and and they all sang a certain way, you know, that kind of southern twang. And here right. came Elvis with more of a bluesy type of gospel voice and, and really putting more energy, like you said, Doug, behind the songs, and I think really made it come alive. Yeah, really interesting. Now, here's two songs in a row, Burning Love, Hound Dog. Uh, let's, uh, 53 seconds, but it's, I think it's worth listening to just close each other. Martha Alexander. Mama Thornton. Yeah, you ain't never caught a rabbit and you ain't no friend of mine. You ain't nothing but a hound dog crying all the time. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Before you get into this, I just want to, again, a neophyte just listening to this. First of all, the original versions are terrific if, you, if it wasn't the second version. These are great songs, great artists. I mean, really enjoyed them. But when you juxtapose them to Elvis, now I know, because I wasn't around there in the day, in the 50s, especially in the 60s, why Elvis became so doggone popular doing other people's songs before the Beatles came around that created their own music, right? He, in a way to me, perfected how to really make these songs, or someone who always was doing all this with him, how to make these songs his his own and some energy and really, I guess one word, fun to every one of these songs. Exactly. Look, very few people ever had the voice that Elvis had. Just a beautiful voice and the range of is, is incredible even today. So, you know, you add that with just that youthful energy he had that, that you know, the, the just the the enjoyment you can tell, right, of performing these songs and singing them and and the right people behind them and the and um, uh, the, the studio musicians that backed him and the producers that just, they just got it. They understood how to position him and make him popular. Whether or not he needed it, it was another story. But but you're right. The original songs were great unto themselves. I mean, um Sorry, I'm just a, it, Big Mama Thornton who did Hound Dog originally, right? That's a very, I, I think I could say this on the air, strong sexual references to that. I mean, we know when we listen to Big Mama Thornton sing that song, I think we know exactly what she's talking about. Right. When Elvis does it, it, it you know, it, it kind of loses the, the meaning behind it. It's just, oh, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. Okay. <laughs> so in a way, it's sort of like... Uh, 
it worked for Elvis because it, it you know, sort of whitewashed what, what the true meaning of, of the lyrics were, you know. But when you listen to the original version, it, it puts a different spin on it. Right, which is is uh, so interesting to to hear that, uh, and to hear the way uh, the original version, you know, person had it in mind, and then whoever's Elvis's team, I don't think it's ever come out. At least we don't know. I got to research this. Who was his musical orchestration person? Who was the one that 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 put this down like uh, George Martin did for the for the Beatles? You know, who was the one? If there was one, unless it was him that had the idea to do all these songs this way. Yeah, I can't profess to be a, a, an Elvis expert, but I, I think the owner of, of Sun Records during those sessions, Sam Phillips, I think, okay, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think had had a lot of say over it. I think I could be wrong. Uh, but again, it wasn't. I think the point is that it just it wasn't him or just him. Right. Oh, that's um, right. Somebody right else should get some him. credit for this, too, you know. Yeah. Uh, but okay, yeah. that's all right. Muddy Waters and Elvis. I guess I'll never be the same, but that's all right. There's one uh, that made him famous and all. I think the Muddy Waters version, to me, is better. You tell me. I love the blues, and I love the way that that song is sung. And, and to me, Elvis didn't, to me, carry the day on that one. You tell me. Yeah, I'm looking it up now because I know he wrote one of his songs, Elvis. I don't know if that's the one. I'm trying to look it up now. Maybe it was Mystery Train. But, um, but, but in terms of the song itself, yeah, I, you know. Both were great. You know, Elvis just had a way. He did. He just had a way. And we have a That's way. That's why it was Elvis. With uh, David Cohen, we're having some great time uh, talking uh, cover songs. We'll be back. One more section on Everything Old is New Again. I guess I'll never... This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. You know, Uh, welcome back to Everything Old is New Again. Uh, we're talking cover songs and uh, having a great time these last three shows. If you missed any of them, go to everythingoldisnewagain.biz and or any any iHeart uh, podcast or any, any of these podcast stations, you'll find our old show. Like and subscribe. Come on, call your radio station. Tell them you like our show. We need some support here. Uh, it doesn't hurt, so I should say. Uh, and talk about uh, cover songs. There's Richie Valens and years and years later, Los Lobos with uh, La Bamba. David Cohen, what do you think of that? I, you know, it, it's, it's one of those rare examples where uh, it, it's a cover song that's done in pretty much the same style as the original, but it worked because... I think the the quality, the sound quality of the original by Richie Valens, um, and you heard it right there, compared to the remake, it just pales in comparison. So it's almost like if Richie Valens were to have done the song in the 80s when, when they did it, it probably would have sounded like that. So it was refreshing to hear, for me anyway, that that remake. And I remember when it came out because it, it, it was released in conjunction with the movie about um, Richie Valens, La Bamba. 
Um, and at the time, it became a hugely successful song because of the the link to the movie. But I think it again, it's uh, you know, it's an exception to the rule. It just it worked. It just worked. Right. And here's two now that I'm going to spring upon you that I think. Well, I'm not going to say what I think. Um, well, we might as well. I, they're, they're the two that I think work and do well. But let's see from the man himself, the Minister of Music, David Cohen. Let's see if he's able to tell us if these meet his criteria of uh, good remakes, cover songs. Judy Garland, of course. Of course, Hawaii's favorite son is, who unfortunately has passed away way too young, uh, David Cohen. What do you think? And by the way, he did that in the studio in one take. Really? I yeah. didn't know that. Came in to the studio, one take at four in the morning. He had it in his mind, went to the studio at four in the morning, did it, left, went home, and had a hit. Wow. Yeah, that uh, great example, Doug, that you brought up. Because think about it, right? Anyone who's doing, who's singing that song now is doing his version, yeah, not, right. not the Judy Garland version. Isn't that amazing? And and that's it's so in some way I don't know how to say this. It's touching in some way, the way he does it, just on a ukulele and his voice mm -hmm. and the different take. It does bring emotions. Maybe I'm wrong, but to me exactly, it brings emotions. No, exactly. That's right. Right. And it's that's like I don't know how to explain that other than just having a gift to, to be able right. to express that vocally. Yeah. Um, all those emotions and 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 to make the listener feel the same thing while they're watching and hearing it, right? And join you in the backseat of the car, go down the highway, you know, like <laughs> you, you just, you know, you're with this guy, you're, 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 is nothing, it's like literally nothing that you would say you'd improve or, you know, you'd, you, if it goes off the radio, you'd say, hey, you know what, turn it back on again, I want to hear that one more time. And it's just, it's, anyway, it's, it's a, it's a great song and I'm sure there's tons of wedding videos that have that in the background as well, there's no doubt, including mine. Yeah. Uh, how about this? I don't think you like this one, but I got a kick out of it. I thought it was very different. Sound of Silence, Simon and Garfield. Sweet the night, Disturbed. David Cohn, you familiar with the second one? I am. Okay. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? I'm very curious. Yeah, I, I, I didn't put it on my list originally, but I'm glad you did. Um, I think that, you know, personally, no, I'm, I'm not a fan of that remake. Because um, if you look at the, the David Cohn's rules of cover songs, it, it hits almost every point. Granted, but it's not different enough from what's a real classic and instantly associated with Simon and Garfunkel and the way they perform the song. So I respect the fact that it, it sounds good. It's done well. 
but not enough of originality, I think, behind it to 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 make it, you know. But uh, again, uh, I think it's really good. Well, okay, I'll just dis- respectfully disagree because I I cannot forget that song, whether it's hmm. good, bad, different. It's just like I I heard it. What once is it about? I had to learn. I just the dark tone. It made me look at the words in a different way to the song. Hmm. It made me want to read the words and study it, and and it's it's tremendous uh, poetry that and, and the message that it gives is somewhat of a dark message, and and it's sung in that way. He's singing. He's in a dark place. You know, it's not a happy place. That's, I'll give it another shot then. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it again. Worth a shot. What the heck? Uh, how about um, this is Chuck Berry. I'm going off the topic a little bit here, but let's listen to where, how this develops. Chuck Berry with Sweet 16, Beach Boys following it up with Surfing USA. If that makes any sense. We'll see. That's not it. I'll have to cut that. Give me this. That's not, that's not Chuck Berry. Here we go. So now they sound familiar. There's different words. Uh, David Cohen, are they the same song or not? Do you know the history of this in any way, shape, or form? I'm fairly familiar with the history. I think it was semi-intentional by Brian Wilson to basically redo that Chuck Berry song Mm -hmm. and and just change up the words, which is essentially what they did. Right. Uh, I don't know what the repercussions were of that. I I know Chuck Berry was aware of it, but go ahead. Yeah. I I, I need to cut you off, but I I have a surprise where I, I don't know who this person is, but in the documentary, someone that knew... Uh, Chuck Berry and talks about it. Chuck Berry wasn't really happy with that uh, version of his song because, uh, first of all, I believe that his name wasn't on the record. I know it was eventually resolved, but I believe Chuck was pissed about that, rightfully so. I remember sitting down next to him in a donut shop in Boston next to the jazz workshop, and, and I introduced myself and told him who I was and everything, and he didn't look up from his donut or say a word, he just walked out. Yeah, because this fellow, I think, was the producer, I think, of that uh, Beach Boys version. Uh, and uh, and Chuck Berry knew and was not, a, was not a fan. So that's a different show, for sure. Uh, copyright infringement, what have you. But um, it is respectful of the song in some way that you want to use it. But then they used it more successfully, and I didn't give any credit to Chuck Berry. And I guess that's where, where it went astray for them. Yeah, and I I do know that... It, that- Brian Wilson was aware of that for sure, and and w- whether he was aware of it as he was writing it, I think he was, um, and it was done more of a tribute to him. But I, I don't know, like again, how how they settled it with yeah. with Chuck Berry or what happened in the long run because I don't think anyone really talks about yeah, it. It was too a much. lawsuit and it was money and it was resolved with a confidential agreement. There you go. Okay. How about finally, yeah. suspicious minds got to go quickly on this. Originally with Mark James, the author of the song. Suspicious man. We can't go on together with suspicious man. 
Dwight Yoakam. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's why I did this. And then finally, the fine young cannibal. David Cohen, you got 30 seconds. Unfortunately, tell us what you like or don't like about what I presented, and we're going to thank you for your time. Oh, no. Who, who was the first? Was that the original? Mark, Mark uh, James, the original author, yes. He did it first. Yep. I feel so bad for him. It's just so unfair when it's such a great song, and it gets covered by Elvis Presley. <laughs> I'm sure he sold the rights. I'm sure he did really well for himself, but and I'm sure he would admit that I'm sure that he was happy that Elvis did it and made it popular for him. But wow, that's so unfair. Doesn't this inspire you it, to listen to some more Elvis, though? Holy smokes. Go it ahead. does. Yeah. Absolutely does, man. And But as far as the other two, yeah, the, the country version, nah, it's just a copy. Right. Um, Fine Young Cannibals was interesting. It was a different take, although I think still still rooted in, in, in the in the original composition so right and uh, i think overall like i have to say that we've had a, three tremendous shows we've got one more coming up talking about cover songs with david cohen the minister of music the sultan of song we'll be back next week and everything old is new again thank you david thank you when you don't believe a word i say you've been listening to everything old is new again america's pop culture entertainment talk show find us on the web at everything old is new again dot biz that's dot biz see you next week same bad time same bad station